welcome to Making Sense of Movies. I'm Elena. I'm Claire. And welcome to the podcast. It's been a bit since we've last, you know, uploaded an episode, but we're glad y'all have been liking our most recent posts. So keep at it, you know, let us know if you have anything, any ideas of what we want of you, what you want us to talk about. Um, This episode is about survival movies, specifically like person versus nature or animal as you'll see in some of the movies that we picked, we didn't choose any like supernatural or uh, otherworldly elements. We just wanted to focus on the pure person versus nature, you know, group surviving together Mm -hmm. atmosphere. And I guess we kind of decided this overall category after we both watched Yellow Jackets. Yeah. Which was like, we were both obsessed with it and we're like, okay, before waiting for season two, like we need something else. So like, this is like, okay, well, if you like Yellow Jackets, you might like some of these movies too. You also might not, but that's up to yeah. you to decide. Um, <laughs> but overall, our, like, I feel like the Yellow Jacket gals could probably survive any of these situations better than some of these characters did. I, I would say, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah, so our first movie is Alive from 1993, directed by Frank Marshall. And this is a true story about... The uh, Uruguayan rugby team that crashed, and it was in the Andean Mountains in 1972 so it was like the rugby team and then there was a few other people as well there and due to uh, it was poor weather um an unexperienced co-pilot the aircraft began descending too early and struck one of the mountains leaving them all stranded in like freezing cold they had nothing to eat so Mm -hmm. the story basically take uh starts with and the opening where they're showing photos of the rugby team and like kind of ominous voiceover of like, this yeah. is our story. We have someone from like the future, someone who's currently talking about his time in the Andes. And he's like, you know, smoking. He's not really looking at the camera. And he's like, this is my story. And then it it's goes- It's really dramatic. <laughs> very, very dramatic. Um, which right, so this is a very dramatic situation. The fact that it's true, I think makes it even scarier. Because if you don't know, to survive, I think it's 17 or 16 people survived out of, I think, around 40 or something like that. They did, because they had no food, they did result to cannibalism. So I, I, I know some of the survivors have written books and things like that. So I think this movie, you know, takes it pretty seriously as one should. I will say the one thing I had with this movie is that everyone is like American in it. And no one in this, no one in the movie, the characters in the movie are not from America. They're from, you know, Uruguay. And I would say casting is a little off, mostly because when anyone tries to pronounce a Spanish-speaking name, it does not sound necessarily correct all the time. It's mm-hmm. very, uh, very Americanized, which is a bit unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with this, at least for me, there were definitely some script issues, some lot some lines that just didn't come across well Mm -hmm. but I feel like the main thing for me where I disconnected from the story is there are so many characters Mm -hmm. and they're very hard to keep figure out who's who because I kind of rank them as there's Ethan Hawke and his sister Mm -hmm. there's his counterpart who and with it and we'll see this in all the survival movie or most of them where there's one character who says we have to go out and find our own way and mm-hmm. then you've got the character saying, it's safer if we just stay here. So Ethan Hawke's the guy who's like, we got to find our own way out. And then there's his counterpart who's like, we got to stay here and be rescued. 
There is the guy who knows, who everyone thinks knows how to work the radio. And that's essentially his only character trait. That's true. I do know some of the names. I know um, Ethan Hawke plays Nando. His sister is Susanna. Um, There is one of the, the guys in there, Alberto, is they think he's dead. And then... Um, when the plane, once the plane crashes and he basically is like, I'm not dead. That was a very um, scary scene. And I think for like the time period, like 1993, I feel like the effects of like them crashing Mm -hmm. weren't that great. But for me, like what really, like the emotional core was when they were, when they crashed. So that idea when like, it's such chaos and like someone is trying to like take control and like figure out what's happening. I thought like was a really good moment because it's just utter chaos. Like you don't know who's alive. You don't know who had died. People have like blood everywhere. Like it was really kind of wild. And I think that like really cemented like the, the, the tone for at least that part of the movie in the beginning of the movie. See, it's interesting you say that because I have like kind of the opposite feeling on that scene, the scene really? where crash because I think the actual scene where the plane's in the air and falling apart, that's very scary and very impactful. Mm -hmm. And especially before showing all the turbulence and before the plane actually actually crashes, you see um, it's kind of a party atmosphere that goes like completely silent as things start to get worse. But once they do crash and they're trying to uh, evaluate everyone's wounds and everything, who's dead, who's alive, there was something that I thought was like almost comedic about that scene that wasn't really purposely trying to be that way. Just the way they had all the shots. So they would have um, one guy and the shot would be on his head and they would pan down slowly to like his stomach where there's like some metal po- thing pointing out of it. And he'd say mm-hmm. something like, how bad is it? Or something like that. Where I just like, I was like, what? I couldn't understand what the tone was trying to be. Or there's one line where the one medical student is like, people are hurt. Oh, yes. People have been hurt. I've only been in med school six months. And I don't know if it was just the way I was interpreting it, but something just, I wasn't feeling the seriousness of that scene, mm-hmm. maybe the way I should have been. And I kind of feel like it was a combination of maybe the acting in it. Because sometimes I felt like the actors were not acting with each other but more just saying their lines I I agree there was something quite detached about some of the acting just because the way they would say their lines it kind of just felt like they were speaking Mm -hmm. like they were just like oh no and it was like there wasn't a lot of like emotion in in a lot of their voices that I think they were hoping to and it just sounded very like stale in certain scenes um, especially when like the scenes were getting really serious and they were mm-hmm. talking about you know what they were going to survive or what they should what they should do for food and so on so for me that kind of fell flat for a bit I did think it was a really good story I didn't know anything about uh, the team before I watched this movie and for those who don't know um, it is 16 people that survived total and they're there for two months mm-hmm. which is a long time to be in in the Andes Mountain with no food and no way of getting back. So I commend them because I literally cannot imagine. And they're, they're pretty smart for like what ends up happening. They use the plane as their kind of like um, their shelter. And, you know, they, they go out and they try to find the other parts of the plane to see if they have like the black box, which is in the tail. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which this is actually twice. This is the second movie that does the tail detaches from the plane and then you yeah. have to go back to the tail to get yeah. what's, like, what's needed to rescue you. Mm-hmm. Um, which if, if I was making these movies, it's a flaw design in the plane. I was thinking the same thing. I was, I, I, I almost wasn't going to say it at first because I'm like, you know, I don't know a lot about like plane mechanics, Me but either. you think of this happens a lot. Like you'd put the black box in another location in the plane. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, it seemed odd that two movies pretty much like over about 20 years apart, over 20 years apart, um, literally have like the ex- the same mm-hmm. like plot point made twice and that hasn't uh, changed. Yeah, I, I was nervous. I mean, there's so many reasons to be nervous for this group, but I felt like from day one to day two, it felt like they were almost out of all of their supplies already because they thought they were going to be saved yeah. and then they ate it all. That's tough. I felt like so bad watching that scene because you know, as an audience, I told you in the beginning, they're there for two months. Mm-hmm. Before. I think I looked it up during the movie and then you watch them, they see a plane pass by and that's why they're like, oh, we're going to get saved right away. But they have no idea if the plane actually saw them. But there's one guy, I think it's Carlitos. It might be another character who's very confident. They're like, we're going to get saved. We're going to get saved. Like, no need to worry, which is, I think, good because it kept morale up. Mm-hmm. But they start eating the food like really quickly. And it's, I'm like, oh no. And then like five days pass and they're basically out of food. And Nando keeps talking about like, we need, they all talk about like they need protein to, it's because they want to climb, they want to see what else is out there. Like they're like, oh, maybe we can find somewhere. Maybe they keep talking about going to Chile. And they keep mentioning that for a bit. And then Nando's sister died, which is pretty sad. Yeah, and the protein they're, of course, alluding to would be human flesh. Yes, which... Which is a kind of a... At one point, a breaking point for the group because there's your people who are saying, this is something we have to do. And the other people are like, this is immoral. We can't be doing this. Like, I'd rather starve yeah. than eat someone else. Yeah, there's um, um, an older couple on in who who survives or at least um the father survives but right now it's the older couple and she talks about how this experience she wants to um have another child and they're both kind of like we have to survive this first in order to continue and that kind of and they both like refuse to to, to eat um the we're gonna call it the protein i feel like it's a little sad calling it mm-hmm. the people um and eventually he does do it because there's an avalanche that kills about eight people. So they were surviving for a pretty long time. And then an avalanche just comes and kills eight people. And his wife is one of them. And some of the, the boys are kind of like, you need to, you know, you have children at home. You need to survive mm-hmm. for them. So that kind of pushes them. And once we like go over this hill of them, you know, resorting to, to eating the people, that's kind of it like you there it's not addressed again it's kind of just made like a a a part of their part of like their daily life I guess Mm -hmm. which is like a little uncomfortable but like I I guess like that's what actually happened like you kind of have to focus on surviving Mm -hmm. but yeah after the avalanche it looked pretty rough for them though yeah I personally thought the avalanche was the scariest part just because Mm -hmm. like Avalanches really are, like, so 
unpredictable and even mm -hmm. like the most professional climbers end up dying from avalanches and it's just like one of those things where if they're it's coming at you like there's truly nothing you can do in a situation like that just because the yeah. snow is always like so dense so just the scene where they're like all sleeping it's the middle of the night and you kind of like hear this and they're just like get this like anxious feeling mm -hmm. um so I feel like out of all the scenes I thought that scene was pretty well done just because it was like so horrifying to watch yeah for me also the scenes where they were climbing to try to find you know other parts of the plane or climbing mm -hmm. to go see um to try to go to Chile or see if there's anyone else out there that when they're doing like the wide shots of them walking across like the pristine snow it was actually really beautiful considering mm -hmm. like what was happening which I thought was like a good contrast and they go in about I think three in the movie they show us three total expeditions so if you were in this situation like who what would you be doing do you think this is something that you could maybe not survive because I don't know if either of us would I mean I don't know what, what would you do I truly don't know. I don't, like, I'm from South Florida. I don't think I can, the cold, I don't think I can handle that. But also, like, the resilience and, like, the attitude that they were, like, I'm going, like, we, we need to survive. Like, the idea that they just have to, like, keep going. I don't know if I can do that. Mm -hmm. What about you? I feel like I would make the stupid decision and be, like, oh, well, the plane was going to land in 20 minutes, so it must be close. And I would, like... <laughs> I probably wouldn't think that through and be like, guys, we're like 20 minutes away. Like, let's just go over the mountain. Walk. Yeah, not, not you know, not thinking about how planes go thousands of miles. No. <laughs> I know. I wouldn't be thinking about that for sure. Um, eventually, they duke it out, really thanks to Ethan Hawke's character, yeah, who yeah, ends yeah. up climbing over the mountain. And they kind of don't go into that part too much they kind of just have a montage of like him and the guy he's with just kind of like finding greener and greener area with like less mm -hmm. snow and then flying back in the helicopter to rescue everyone. And they meet the one father there has like a red sneaker from one of his children. It's mm -hmm. like a little, a little tiny sneaker. And uh, earlier in the movie, he had given the other Ethan Hawks character and they were like, when we see each other, this pair will be reunited. So that's kind of, that was kind of cute. I read, I think I went on like the Wikipedia page about uh, mm -hmm. some reviews because this was based off a book. And I think where it could have been like more interesting is that in the book, they focused a lot on like the social structures that happened mm -hmm. when the planet crashed and you're stuck with, you know, the, the two adults and a bunch of teenage boys and kind of like, you know, who was in charge and what was happening. And the movie really didn't focus on that and focused more on like this you know um vague like heroism which is true like they they you know they survive something that most people wouldn't survive but I think it would have been really interesting to see that social structure that had uh, that had kind of had to happen for them to survive for them to keep going mm -hmm. that's what I would say about this maybe but overall yeah. it was I think I enjoyed it I learned something new I did think it was a little long this is about two hours and six minutes and I feel like just from reading the Wikipedia page as well, it makes me want to read the book for sure. But yeah. the one thing that I also thought was interesting was father of one of the victims wanted his son to be buried at home. So went back on an expedition who, and he hired someone with him, a guide. 
and they went back and they took the son's remains from that location. And then they were arrested for grave robbing and uh, a federal judge and the local mayor uh, decided to intervene. And then the father obtained legal permission to bury his son at home. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. wild. Yeah. Any last thoughts about Alive? I kind of think it might've been better as a documentary as like a, or a retelling from people who knew the victims of this because I, it's a, it's a great story. I just think some things could have been executed better. I do believe, I think there is a documentary on this. I think it would have been nice to have, I think more of the people that went through this, I think involved Mm -hmm. in the process. I think that would have made it, you know, at least casting wise, it would have made it slightly better. And then also just the story itself and, Mm -hmm. you know, what they actually went through, I think could have been more, um, you know, to, to actual reality. Okay. That moves us on to our next movie, which is called Meek's Cutoff. Um, That's from 2010, directed by Kelly Reichardt. If you don't know, she did First Cow like a year or two ago. Um, I haven't seen it, but I know, Claire, you saw that movie. Yeah, First Cow was really good. Um, And I like this one a lot, too. Essentially, Meek's... Oh, yeah. No, I I was surprised by how much I like this movie. Mm -hmm. Considering, like, spoiler alert, from beginning to end, not much changes. Okay, that's exactly what I was going to say. Not much really okay. happens in this. You're kind of just following a group of characters along. And okay. the shots in this are, like, so beautiful. So it's almost nice. like just, like, ASMR for your ears yeah, and your yeah. eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it was very peaceful, even though, like, these people were... Um, they were still surviving. Like, Meeks cut off. It's a horse trail that branched off for, from the Oregon Trail, and it's named after Stephen Meek, who's the main guy hired to bring people back and forth. And then yeah. this, Stephen Meek is, like, um, not a great person. He doesn't know what's going on. No Definitely one really doesn't. trusts his judgment, which, mm-hmm. honestly, they shouldn't. And it's sort of just, like, going further and further down the trail, and everyone at their own point begins to question, like, okay, this how long are we going to keep going along this trail when we all know Steven does not know what he's doing? Yeah. And a lot of what this movie is, which I find really funny, is that we follow um, kind of, I think one of the main characters they focus on is Michelle Williams' character, focus on her thoughts. And there's a lot of time where like the men will convene as one group and the women will just like watch them make a decision, but the women have like, their own opinions but like no one listens to them Mm -hmm. it was just very funny it was giving me like dads at an airport when the plane's (laughs) delayed vibes you know like everyone's just like in a group being like okay what what should we do um what I really appreciated from this movie was besides the shot just like a very naturalistic way of shooting a lot of stuff was happening in real time Mm -hmm. you start off the movie with people just crossing a river Mm-hmm. very slow it's very methodical and you don't really know you know you're kind of just thrown into it you don't know who these people are you don't know really what's going on and you slowly piece together what's been happening you know, how long have they been out there what's been going on why are they here which I thought was nice mm-hmm. and there really there isn't any dialogue until maybe the seven minute mark yeah and this movie as well has a very specific sounds I noticed that in certain scenes you would hear like 
the donkey, even though the donkey wasn't in the scene, or you'd hear the squeak of a of a wheel of one of the wooden wheels, even though you weren't necessarily seeing that. You were constantly reminded of what you know they were traveling on, which I found really interesting. It was also quite quiet. You know, you really just hear the nature. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just going back for a second to what you were saying about like the difference between the men talking and the women mm-hmm. talking, like the way that was shot was just so deliberate because. For so much of the movie, I feel like until the ending scenes, like it's either men in a scene or women in a scene or women and men, but like such a distance between Mm -hmm. them where there's just all this empty space where there's just such a disconnect there. Yeah. Um, And I thought that was like very well done to show that. Yeah. I think like Alive, they do a lot of wide shots of the people in the desert. One of my favorite shots that they do is I think the three women were like collecting something and they were walking towards the camera in this this kind of like taller grass it was giving me very like the scene from a portrait of a lady on fire Mm -hmm. which I really liked I love that movie anything to remind me of that movie is great a great movie (laughs) for sure but you through the movie you figure out where there are you know besides Meek there are three other groups so there's um, a husband and wife Two, two groups of husband and wives, and then there's a group, a husband, wife, and their child. What did you think about the acting in this movie? I really liked the acting. I thought it was all really subtle. I think for me, the three female leads were my favorite. Um, so it's Michelle Williams' character, Zoe Kazan, and the actress that plays Moni Myrtle from Harry Potter. <laughs> I had the same exact note written down. I was like, I recognize her from somewhere. Then... Moaning Myrtle, her voice is just so like different, like so distinct. So I was happy to see her in this too. Yeah. And then uh, Paul Dano also in this. He was also in this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did a good job. Yeah, no, he did a good job. I didn't Uh recognize any of the other actors in this movie. I really didn't like Meeks. Yeah. He really annoyed me. And mostly it was like, so in this movie, they see this Native American who's been kind of like looking at them from afar and the men all decide to capture him but they don't agree on like what to do meeks is like we should kill him i've seen what his people can do you know they'll skin your scalps or whatever and everyone was like no like maybe he can help us maybe he'll lead us to water which is what they're they've been looking for and update he does not lead them to water or he leads them to to a tree that might lead them to water that's the part because that's where the movie ends and it's very unclear it's kind of up to the viewer whether or not he was really trying to lead them a lot to water or just lead them astray yeah because there could have been it was i feel like it was implied that there definitely could have been water there at one point because the tree's literally the only thing that's alive in that area but i feel like you could also make uh the same assumption that like there's just nothing over there and he could be leading them the wrong way and trying to ruin all of their belongings because the path they need to take they need to lower their wagons down this very steep incline uh, and then bring them back up and in that scene one of the wagons just gets annihilated they lose they drop the rope just because it's like too strong and you see it going all the way rolling all the way down the hill and just like falling apart and you see all the pieces go everywhere and that was probably probably the most action-packed scene that you're gonna get here that's true and you know you see how the three different camps 
take the idea that they're going to, you know, have this Native American who we don't get a name for. That's why I keep calling him that lead them to water. So you have in one camp. So it's Solomon, who is, I think, I don't know her name, Michelle Williams character. That's her, her husband. And he was the one he's like, I think, you know, that he should lead us to water. And they both are kind of like protective of him. You know, Michelle Williams, she fixes his shoe. So he could, he owes her something kind of like the psychological thing. And then you have uh, Paul Dano and Zoe, Zoe Craven, I think that's her last name, uh, where she's like hysterical because she thinks he's going to lead them to their death. And she keeps crying and being like, we, mm-hmm. we can go back. And her husband is like, no, <laughs> not happening. Mm-hmm. He's like, get a grip. Yeah. No, she's really losing it because at one point uh, the native the native is kind of leaving stuff behind, and she starts freaking out. The like, there he's leaving a trail for someone to like meet mm-hmm. up with us, and there's going to be a huge ambush. Uh, yeah, it's very like psychological because mm-hmm. you there's no like subtitles, so we don't know what he's saying when he's speaking his language. They don't mm-hmm. know what he's saying. He doesn't understand them. So it's this whole like this weird faith where Solomon's like, I have faith that he will bring us to water. And he's just like, I'll have faith that they maybe won't kill me. Mm-hmm. And there is this scene where Meek is like, decide like takes his gun out and then Michelle Williams takes her gun and like goes to protect him. And that was interesting because you like, don't really know what, what could happen from that. It ends up just being a standoff. Nothing ends up happening, but it was a very tense scene. Yeah. And then speaking of Stephen Meek, the one scene that I thought was so interesting was he's got the one quote where he says, women are created on the principle of chaos and men are created in the principle of destruction. Yeah, I didn't like that. One of my favorite scenes with this is I think during this scene where he talks about like the difference between men and women and it's uh, the three women are either like sewing or cooking or something. And He's like, do you know what the difference between men and women is? And uh, Michelle Williams, Michelle Williams goes, I bet you're going to tell me. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that just relationship, like, I don't even know what to call it, but it was just so funny because she just hates him yeah. so much. He just like barely tolerates him, like mm-hmm. barely. And he's just like, thinks everyone, you know, loves him. Yes, it's very like, sunny outlook even though he like truly has no idea that the whole movie everyone is like does Meeks actually know what he's doing mm-hmm. and I have no reason to believe that he does yeah no he I definitely I wish I knew more about Stephen Meek himself because I was on like I was trying to do some research beforehand on like who exactly was he and there's some information of like where he was born he was born mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. on July 4th. So, you know, America, July 4th, whatever. (laughs) Um, But, like, as far as who he was, like, whether he was a nice guy, was he mean, like, the, I feel like uh, you can kind of interpret that through this movie because I really couldn't find any information on him. Interesting. Uh, I didn't even know he was a real person. I didn't realize this is, like, based in some form of reality. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was, like, a story that uh, people that you know the writer just decided to tell. So that's interesting. You know, learn something new every day. So how do you think you would have survived this? I think I would have survived this better than alive. Yeah, I, I think... just feel like hot weather is a lot more pleasing in this case than 
freezing climate. I wouldn't even see that it's more pleasing. It's just that they they have supplies to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they truly have nothing. Like they mm-hmm. have those animals. They have their wagons full of stuff. At some point, you know, they do have water for a bit. You know, they're they're making food. It's not unreasonable for me like this Mm -hmm. felt like a very like slow survival like there's a lot of shots of them just like walking towards nothing like you just Mm -hmm. see them walk across the screen in like this really dry desert like dry cracked land Mm -hmm. so I really liked that overall but I do think compared to the last movie we spoke about I would hopefully survive this better especially if there were slightly more people around that kind of knew what they were doing yeah, and, like, if worse comes to worse and, like, they really can't find anything, they could also start eating the animals, too. That's where, what I thought it was going to... I thought at one point, like, oh, it's a survival movie. Like, they're going to start eating the animals or, like, some kind of cannibalism, but never happened. Which I'm glad, because it really kind of wasn't that kind of movie, but with yeah. the Oregon Trail, you kind of yeah. think that's where it's headed, because that's what the, the Oregon Trail was known for. Exactly. I think the one thing I didn't like about this movie is the beginning of the movie when you see all three of the wives, they're up really early and they're like making food and whatever. And Michelle Williams uh, character goes that they're working like and then says the N word. Mm. I just thought that was like unnecessary because it didn't need to be there in a sense where it's like there besides an American, there's no other person of color in this movie. They don't Mm -hmm. talk about slavery at all if you're using that word as a way to like make them seem ignorant to what you know people in that time actually went through okay but you could have used the word slaves and it would have gotten that same effect like it, this word wasn't needed which yeah. like kind of bugged me I was like seriously like you just wanted to do it to throw it in but it was truly like unneeded and unnecessary considering like mm-hmm. what the movie is actually about <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Because it definitely, like, you're like, whoa, why that happened? And then it just yeah. continues. They don't talk about anyone else in, Amer- in the Americas ever again. So mm-hmm. that was, I think, my one, like, negative about this movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Shall we move on to the next movie? Mm-hmm. This is Tunnel from 2016, directed by Kim Seung Hun. This is um, a Korean movie. And essentially, you know, it starts pretty quickly. This guy is going through in his car, so it takes place in the current, you know, time period. <laughs> um, and he's going his car under this new tunnel, underneath a tunnel, like that was underneath, underneath um, through a mountain. And it essentially collapses, and he is meant to survive what starts out as seven days and basically turns into a very long time. They keep telling him, just wait out, just wait out. You got this. And they do not got this is the answer. Mm -hmm. And what's different, I think, from the rest of the movies on this list is that this one specifically shows the other side. So it shows the people trying to get to him instead of this entire movie being um, our character stuck in the car for the entire movie, which I thought was nice. You know, he is one guy. So that's what it goes through. Mm-hmm. because there is obviously that sense of isolation because he's the mm-hmm. uh one of two people who are trapped within this tunnel but i do like you were saying how they had the emergency management who were genuinely doing their best yeah. and it's obviously hard being like the bearer of bad news where they're like okay you're gonna have to wait it out a little longer they have 
the media who are shown to be very negative. Yeah, very negatively and sometimes just shown in just like such a stupid way. Like, but it's funny though. Um, because there's the one scene where emergency management is trying to prevent uh someone from uh recording uh him on the phone because it's wasting the phone battery inside mm-hmm. the tunnel. And then there's personally my favorite scene where um, emergency management is using a drone to go inside the tunnel. And then they have all the media drones that are following behind, which I was like, this is so, so stupid, but yeah, that was like so such dumb. a, so very impactful too. Like, you know what this movie reminded me of? Mm-hmm. It was like a good don't look up. Like, I feel like <laughs> this is what don't look up was trying to do, you know? Interesting. Mm-hmm. I did like this movie. I thought it, it was like really, it was good. It got into the aspects of like what it was for him to say. And, you know, what starts off, you know, he has very little water. He had a cake for his daughter's birthday. And he's in there for a couple days. And then you realize he's with someone else, which for me, the negatives of this movie, because her name, I think, is Mina. And she's basically stuck in her car. She has like a big rock on top of her. She's hurt. And so he tries to, you know, he gives her water. He tries to, you know, feed her. She has a dog. So he takes care of the dog. And she ends up just dying. So it felt like for me a little bit, I don't know. I was like, why are we introducing her if she like dies 20 minutes later? Like a little sad. Yeah, no, that was certainly sad because she, like, we see her talking to her mother on the phone and being so upset. That was sad. And her performance is really good. But I feel like personally, they introduced that character to show, to give him a moral dilemma and the audience the moral dilemma of, we know this person is going to die. Should we still be giving them our water if we only have two bottles of it? And obviously he has hesitation about giving the dog water as well. Yeah. We're obviously like all lives are sacred in this case. And he does the right thing, giving her water in like her last few moments. But you do the thought, it goes into your head because it goes into his head. Too. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I do really feel bad for Mina because when she's talking on the phone, she's not even like worried about herself. She keeps apologizing to her mom and she's like, mm-hmm. just tell them I have to miss work for a couple days. Yeah. And I'm sorry that I wrecked your card. I was like, mm. Are you serious? Like, it was kind mm-hmm. of sad. It's like, I feel like a lot to uh, what was important in her life. And it was a little sad to see her like so obsessed with her job and money that she like didn't even think to worry about like what was happening to her. Yeah. Like she'd been worried about her dog more than she worried about her. Mm-hmm. So that was a little sad. And what essentially is the beginning of this movie is that they're basically trying to drill a hole into the the tunnel so that they can get him out and they try to like go into the tunnel and he can hear them it's just that the tunnel keeps collapsing Mm -hmm. which kind of sucks but they end up drilling the hole in the wrong place and his phone battery dies like all within you know that last couple days Mm -hmm. does not look good for him the drilling part of it where they drill in the wrong place based on the amount of fans that are were installed in the tunnel was just so aggravating. Like, what a huge oversight and huge waste. Like, you'd think that you would have, like, everyone who worked on the tunnel there and that they said blueprints were wrong. And it's like, that's one thing where 
of all the mistakes to make, how could you make that one, you know? Mm -hmm. And it ends up becoming this, like, weird, not weird, but as he, you know, he just keeps trying to survive him and the dog, and he has, like, he doesn't really know what's happening. There becomes a thing where, like, people start blaming him, in a way, where they're, Mm -hmm. like, because, so they're trying to do construction on the tunnel so they can get through, and while they're doing construction, one of saw blades stabs some basically comes loose and stabs someone and everyone is blaming this guy who's stuck in a car for reasons that was like not his fault like it was shoddy construction mm-hmm. that's the reason that the tunnel collapsed they're like we're all you're all like you know someone goes it's like my son was looking was working you know to help your your um husband you know, this woman's talking to the wife and mm-hmm. you know he is the reason that my son is dead i was like I, I took that like a little bit hard to believe because like also people like children are making fun of his daughter that yeah. that their father is responsible for killing someone and I'm like it's, it's just it took me like it baffled me so much I was like are we really blaming this man who like does not know what's happening for the death of someone else just because yeah, he's think- trying to help him mm-hmm. I don't know. right and I think the reason they really put that part in there is really to put pressure on the wife to give the okay to let's blow up the whole tunnel because your husband's probably dead, which he wasn't. And after she's ambushed by uh, the woman who lost her husband, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, husband. Son. son, yeah. And that kind of, I feel like, gives her more of a an idea of like, oh, maybe I should stop the project, even though like, in her heart, she didn't want to. Yeah, and she makes this speech on the radio that was really basically saying, like, like they're telling me to just stop, even though I know that you're you're still alive and I want you to keep going, but mm-hmm. they, they're pressuring me into this. I have, you know, I have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and throughout this whole movie, there's this one guy who's part of the, you know, rescue plan. He, he's the one who's in main contact with the main character stuck in the tunnel. And he also believes that that guy's alive. And at the end, when they're like about to blow the tunnel up, he leaves his walkie talkie down in the tunnel and the guy finds it. And you realize that he's alive. And that was a really nice moment and kind of like a fuck you to everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of FUs to everyone, uh, they also have like the members of the government here who literally just show up to take photos. And they were very aggravating because they would just roll up, take some photos, and then just leave. Really, like, not caring. Yeah, like, especially when they, you would see the wife there who was, like, always so upset. Well, Mm -hmm. not always so upset, but there were some scenes where she was, like, obviously very upset. And then other scenes where she's trying to help out all the rescue team by, like, feeding them and everything. And the they would always find her and just start taking photos. I was like, oh, damn. And also, when they find him, they decide to wait for the minister to show up, mm-hmm. um, so he can go on a on a on a helicopter to the hospital. So they're going to delay him going to the hospital, mm-hmm. so the minister can fly with him, which is utterly ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, the one uh, part I really liked about it is when they were showing the rescue team, uh, and they would always show such an uh, an excess of food and water, like literally water coming from the ceiling into the tents. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a, a 
good just juxtaposition between what he was going through in the tunnel where like he had the cake, which he ultimately um, couldn't eat anymore because the dog got to it first and ate the whole cake, yeah, which was very like, oh my gosh, like that, that dog. He finds the dog food though. And the dog food, yeah. And then I think one of my favorite shots of this entire movie is when they rescue him. So they have him, you know, on a stretcher with um, like an oxygen mask and wrapped in blankets and his eyes covered. And they have someone coming out of the tunnel with holding the dog in blankets <laughs> with a little eye mask and an oxygen, <laughs> an oxygen mm-hmm. mask. I was like, this is adorable. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that dog's alive. Yeah, I am too. You know, uh, there's another movie we're going to talk about that also has dog. No, two more movies. The rest all of the movies the, we talk about have dogs. All the, all They all have dogs, and spoiler alert, they all live. Even, like, Meek's cut off. They had that bird. True. But they oh, didn't survive. The bird didn't survive. Though. Yeah, that's how I was just about thinking. The bird didn't survive, but... But everyone has a pet besides for the, the first movie, obviously, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then the other part that I really like about this movie is towards the very beginning, there's what we were talking about before, a very long scene at the gas station where mm-hmm. first he overpay or the employee working there overcharges him $90 when he only wanted $30 in the tank. And there's like a slow walking to and from the car to the gas station and then waiting again um, or when he's driving away being like wait like here take some water with you yeah and it's just so many things where if you were in that tunnel you would be like oh if only I just didn't argue with them or if I just didn't take that water and kept going or if I didn't stop for fast food along the way if I did this if I did that then I wouldn't be in this situation which uh, he does bring that up at one point Mm -hmm. but I feel like that's something where whenever something bad happens you're always thinking about stuff you shouldn't be like that and they left a lot for him to think about yeah I agree and even he says at one point he's like if only I'd gotten 30 dollars of gas like that guy was supposed Mm -hmm. to charge me instead of the 97 I would have had to stop for gas again Mm -hmm. before going into the tunnel so like it's all these what ifs just because he's stuck in that car Mm -hmm. Um, I do also think it's really interesting how they start this movie with, like, the opening credits is you're basically looking down a pipe mm-hmm. and the water is, like, dripping or whatever, which I thought was a very, like, um, distinct visual and auditorial way to start the movie. And then you, you realize the pipe is coming from the gas station and then that whole scene starts. So I like this movie. I really recommend. I think it's a really great kind of survival movie and it goes for everything there's a dog the dog survives always love that so I recommend yeah I recommend as well I think this one will also be hard to survive though I uh, yeah I don't think I it's just like this. A, it's a, a, more so heady much. than I the other two I agree I think this one's there's a lot more involved and the fact that like he was the guy to survive like makes a lot of sense with like his personality I don't mm-hmm. think like personally I could have survived this so on to the next movie. Okay, so the next movie that we're talking about is The Mountain Between Us from 2017. And this is about Dr. Ben Bass, who is a neurosurgeon played by Idris Alba, and then photojournalist Alex Martin, who's played by Kate Winslet. And essentially, they're both trying to get to a wedding in New York, and then Ben has uh, a surgery appointment in Baltimore, and all the flights are canceled. So they take a private flight 
over mountains. I kind of forget what mountains they're going over this time. I don't know. Either. And yeah. And the pilot has a stroke and the flight goes down. So we're looking at a, another very similar story to Alive here, where it's a plane crash in a very deserted, cold location. But mm -hmm. this time, it's a romance. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say... Like, like, let's get this straight. <laughs> this movie is not realistic in any way whatsoever. I'm going to say that right now. The amount of times Kate Winslet's character, Alex, gets hurt, and is able to just, like, casually survive and, like, continue walking for hours upon the day mm -hmm. is astonishing. Like, I'm going to say that right now. Mm -hmm. So, with that in your mind, I don't think this movie was as successful as I think it wanted to be. I think, for me, what made it successful was the performances of, you know, Idris Elba and Kate Winslet. Like, they sold it to me, mm -hmm. where what essentially was happening in this movie for like a very long time was them walking in snow to get to the lower part of the mountain. And that was not very exciting to watch. But they're talking the whole time and they're fun to listen to. I, I say like. that, that like, that's why it was interesting. Yeah. But like, you know, when you have like a walk and talk movie and it's like, <laughs> you know, they're walking, you know, in a city or something. This is like a lot of them shots of them walking in snow and for me what I felt like what was supposed to be like the crutch of this relationship was like the fact that he was a surgeon and he's you know into the brain and the science and she's like I'm an artist and I'm you know I think of the heart that really was like because it's such a trope and like I don't like that trope I see I, so I get that I get what you're saying because I have the same thing written down but I loved it <laughs> but I just thought it was just like because the symbolism with like, oh, this character is the brain, this character is the heart, they're following like facts and she's just going with her heart. Yeah. They just like take that symbolism and just slap you in the face with it a bunch of times. And I'm like, at least if you're, if you're going for it, like they go for it, they bring it up all the time. And it's like, yes, we get it. One character represents the brain, the other's the heart. We get it. But I was into it. I don't know. I think, I think it depends how into your, this trope you are. Like, obviously, you have very different reactions. Mm -hmm. I will say I did like how, like, realistic Alex was. Like, compared to, I feel like, Ben's character, where he, I feel like, would freak out a little bit more. She was kind of like, it's okay if I die. Like, if you need to go on your own. Mm -hmm. and find help then you do that there was a part where like she keeps saying like it's okay if you don't come back and at one point he was like I'm not gonna abandon you, you know, I'm a doctor I made this code whatever um mm -hmm. and and she I think at one point they have this fight and she's like without me like you'd be dead and he's like I'd have a much better chance without you without you around and I was like damn like <sighs> this is enemies to lover you know let's go <laughs> Let's do this, yeah. Once again, like there's like a few things that happen in this movie. Like there, uh, he goes off on his own, almost falls off the cliff. She's yeah. almost attacked by a panther. Cougar, um, cougar, yeah. The, the large dog cat. almost dies. We the forget. Dog, Walter, yeah. the pilot, had a dog, and Walter unfortunately did not survive, but the dog does. So they end up falling in love. And one of the scenes I thought was funny was there's. Um, a sex scene and 
it goes back and forth between this sex scene and then flashbacks to literally everything else we saw in the movie and it's like <laughs> and I was like okay like don't worry we saw this like 10 minutes ago like I didn't forget they've been together like the whole time on this mountain but they just keep on flashing back to these other moments of them like helping each other yeah and looking into these each other's eyes and I was like and also considering this movie isn't that long it's I under know. two hours so it's like we've literally just seen these scenes and then you're flashing back to, like, while they're having sex. And by the way, when they're having sex, they look incredible. Mm, yeah. They do not look like it's been, you know, almost like two weeks or whatever. I think when they find the cabin, it's been at mm-hmm. least a week or two weeks um, in, you know, in the wilderness, you know, just wearing their clothing for warmth. Like, I was like, who are, like, and then, and then after that, they start to look a little bit, you know, wear for tear. I was like, of course, we have to look good for the sex scene. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point too. I will also like to mention Alex does have a fiance that she brings up quite a lot in this movie. Oh yeah, he was played by um, Dermot, whatever. I don't know. He's familiar. Like you would know him if you saw him, and he's basically also a non-character in this movie. But he's the character you always feel bad for. His his yeah. name is Mark, and it's like he hasn't done anything, but we're focusing on a different romance, and he just happens to be the guy who we haven't been paying attention to because he's not in the movie. So um, a a part of this movie does take place after Mm -hmm. uh, they go back to society and we meet Mark, the fiance that she's been talking about this whole time. Uh, And we don't like him, but he doesn't do anything wrong. I agree. Which is just unfortunate for those Mark kind of characters. I agree. And how they end up getting saved is that they eventually see like this I don't know if it's a logging town or it's just like a bunch of wooden logs. I don't know. I I, I don't know what it is. But eventually, um, so Ben was going to go, but his foot gets caught in like a bear trap. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he has to stay there. So it's Alex's job. And she basically is like just struggling. And she like goes in front of a truck and she's like, stop. Then you realize they've been saved. And, you know, they go back to their normal lives and they don't talk to each other. And one of the things I found kind of the most insensitive was Alex's, um, one of her, like, people she works with was, like, she's, like, I knew you took pictures on that journey. Like, when are you going to publish them? And Mm -hmm. I was, like, you're talking about this very traumatic journey, and you're talking about how to monetize this situation? Mm -hmm. Like, that was very insensitive. And she ends up sending the pictures to Ben, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really sweet. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting when they were focusing on um, her being back in society and she's at a party with her friends, which is where that one scene you mentioned took place. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, it kind of makes me feel like, wow, like these are her friends and all they're asking about is just like, the, like she's just become this thing that happened to her. Yeah. Which is, must be so difficult for her because she's probably just trying to adjust back into society and it's hard feeling like, you are not the focus, but just this thing that everyone wants to hear about. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm sure happens to anyone who has a story like that. So that seemed pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also like how Ben keeps the dog. Yeah. And names him Dog. Oh, right, because he doesn't have, like, a name through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, we totally forgot. There's, like, a sub-backstory about how Ben has a wife that she passed away, correct? Or did yeah, she because... Him? No, she passed away because 
he was one of, or she was one of his patients and he couldn't save her. I'm going to be honest. I, I did not get that from watching this movie. He has this like recording of her that he like constantly listens to. And Alex throughout the movie is like trying to listen to it as well. Like trying to figure out, you know, what happened, which is a very much an invasion of privacy, but also they're mm-hmm. stuck together. So, you know, tomatoes, tomatoes. But yeah, I did not get that. Maybe he explained it and I just like was not paying attention. Yeah, he does explain that at one point because it's right after the scene where Alex is going through the phone and gets mm-hmm. caught doing that. And she thinks like, oh, he's going to be really upset. And he's kind of like, no, like w- you started listening to it. Like, let's just finish the whole thing. And then he kind of explains like, oh, yeah, like I couldn't save her. I, I cannot believe I missed that. And I actually watched this movie. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things where it wasn't that significant to the plot. Yeah. I would say Mm -hmm. it it ends with them together. You know, they meet up in New York, even though he lives in London. I wasn't really sure how that was happening because he also mentioned how he didn't really want to go on planes anymore. Mm They're confused about that. Um, And they walk away from each other and they both turn back around and run around the corner and Mm -hmm. they kiss and they're together. That's like the the mountain between us. Like they could be together. Like <laughs> I have to say, I was watching this uh, the movie, and in the beginning, when Ben's character he decides to go climb to see if there's like mm-hmm. anything anything near him, and he goes to this really you know tall part of where they are, and mm-hmm. he looks around, and I'm like, oh shit, there's just mountains. And my initial thought was like, <laughs> oh my god, there's only mountains between them. <laughs> What's the name of the movie? <laughs> honestly I, I like <laughs> I, I had seen this movie poster so many times and for some odd reason I just never thought it was a survival movie <laughs> like I always saw this poster and I was like oh I wonder what that movie's about and like a survival movie wouldn't be like my top five guesses I just don't know why yeah. for some reason I thought there was going to be like wolves attacking them in this movie I don't I don't know where that came from, but I was like, like fully watching this movie, being like, "Where are the wolves? Where are the wolves?" <laughs> and there were none. And I was like, oh "Maybe I'm thinking of something else." Um, but overall, would would you say you would survive this? Yeah, I think I could have survived this one. I that feel like the I feel like the distance in that didn't seem too far. They just weren't walking fast enough. I'm a fast walker. <laughs> so like, yeah, I think I could have survived. Only snow to give you water. Um, I think because this movie can be quite unrealistic, I think I could survive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so our next movie is Crawl from 2019, directed by Alexandre Aja. This is also produced by Sam Raimi, which is pretty cool. And this basically, if you thought the mountain between us was unrealistic, <laughs> boy, do we have uh, something in store for you. This is about our main character, who I forgot her name. Ailey. Haley, she, it is um, a massive hurricane in Florida. So she decides to go home to see if her father um, is still, you know, still safe and everything. She goes to her old, old house and it starts to flood. And while this is also happening, the alligators have escaped from the swamp and have started to like invest, you know, you know, go into all the land and she finds her father in a crawl space and then she is stuck there because the alligators are there and trying to kill her. And that is this whole movie. And I thought it was a very fun time. What about you, Claire? 
I love this movie. I saw it in theaters. I have it on DVD. Um, I I love this movie because I feel like it understands exactly what it's supposed to be. It's a solid creature feature. And even though it's a pretty simple plot, everyone is acting in this movie with those CGI alligators. Like they are afraid of those CGI alligators. And I will say, mm -hmm. the CGI alligators look pretty good. They were scary. They, they were, were really scary and they were huge, like very unrealistically big. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and then one of the other things I love about this is I'm a sucker for a good sports story. I uh, cry, yeah. like if there is a an Olympics commercial, that's a tearjerker. Like I'm the one crying in the audience. So when you have Haley and she is a, a swimmer at college and that's her thing when she is like out swimming alligators you know it tugs at my it tugs at my heartstrings it does she is a what claire what is she she she's a uh oh it, um she's an apex predator she's an exactly. apex predator and throughout this movie essentially the most of the movie and where i kind of wish it ended after was where takes place in this crawl space as mm -hmm. the water is rising so you kind of get two levels where you have like she her dad is hurt and can't really move for the beginning but then all of a sudden you know gathers strength and she has to like try to figure out a way to escape without you know getting eaten by the alligators but also before drowning so i i like that aspect um i watched this with my older brother and he said did you notice how the ceiling kept getting higher and higher the more the water <laughs> rose oh i did not i didn't notice that either because <laughs> all of a sudden that. she could stand up where before all she could do was crawl underneath i was mm. like you got me there you know yeah that's a good point i didn't notice that but it was a, it was a big basement so it could have been maybe a part we hadn't i i don't know i don't have anything for that one yeah, but you know what like if they have to make the ceiling bigger to well, allow more water, so mm -hmm. be it. <laughs> the one thing I thought, and this is my brother suggested when mm -hmm. watching it, is that once you, so she eventually at some point sees people in the gas station across mm -hmm. the street looting the gas station. She doesn't know if they're looting it. And she tries to get their attention. And while this is all happening, like an alligator is like straight up destroying, like eating everyone and killing everyone. Mm -hmm. And it leads to one of the funniest scenes which is, it's like a guy, his girlfriend, and the guy's brother. The guy's brother is at the gas station, the girlfriend is by the boat, and the guy is like a little bit away from the boat looking at whatever Haley is doing with a flashlight. And there's a lovely scene where he's just looking at Haley, and his girlfriend is being eaten by an alligator right behind him, and he like does not notice. It was hilarious. <laughs> or but, the, the younger brother paying like close attention to that hot dog that he's like yeah, super so excited <laughs> Decides to steal a hot dog and some cheap ass sunglasses, like mm -hmm. from a gas station. Like, that's what you decide to steal. Interesting. Um, but we were both agreed that we kind of wish this scene came before we knew that there were alligators in her basement mm. to like establish that we were like fear, like so the fear was more like ominous. So mm -hmm. you just like then as an audience, you know that there are alligators out there, but you don't know if they've made it to her basement. So yeah. I think that would have just heightened the fear if they just like switched that scene. Um, but overall, I thought that like gas station scene was was um, pretty funny. And 
yeah, a lot of this movie is just her, like, figuring out where to go and both of them getting increasingly hurt and then just, like, not, it doesn't affect them. No. But, you know, even though it was kind of repetitive, it was never boring. I would agree. I agree there. Um, I like how they call the alligators pea-brained lizard chits. Yeah, I enjoyed did. that. Um, um, big R.I.P. for uh, Wayne Taylor. Oh, yeah. Big rip to him. Because, well, and he did physically rip in half as well. But like, exactly. But uh, that was a, an awful death. Like, he is, uh, if you, if anyone has those garages, at, or not garages, they're, like, entrances to your basement that are, like, sideways on your house. I'm anyway. honest. When I saw this house, I was like, who's doing this in Florida? Not where I live. Yeah, as, as, a, as a Florida native uh how how are you feeling about have any good hurricane stories or come across any alligators or not at all so i don't live by a swamp so like the whole like alligator stuff is like not not where i live like gainesville is like out maybe five hours away from where i live mm-hmm. which is where university of florida is and so i'm not near swampland so, like, I don't get that, but I remember when I was watching it, and I was like, why is she going underneath the house? Because, like, none of the houses, unless you're, like, near the beach, which I guess she's by water, you would have those stilts, because if it floods, then it would just go underneath. But Yeah, it's, uh-huh. a, um, it's a federal requirement if you're in a coastal zone to be on stilts. Yeah, well, I don't live so so near the beach so i don't my house doesn't have that but i was so confused at first i thought it was a basement i'm like you don't have basements in florida like Mm -hmm. what is this and then i understood what it was Mm -hmm. (laughs) then i was like okay i get it now yeah um i'm glad you don't live near any alligators though because honestly i think alligators are the scariest animal in the whole world like i think they're horrifying and like normally if you leave alligators where they are, because they'll stay in their, like, little lagoon areas, mm-hmm. they don't leave unless there's, like, either one, not a food source, or if they're trying to mate and they get um, out um, out battled by another larger alligator, a larger male alligator in this case, and have to leave their area. Uh, so unless things like that happen, normally if you leave them alone, like, they're not going to just, like, outright attack you unless you're, like, doing something to it. Yeah, because that's the most re- unrealistic thing about this movie. <laughs> that they just continually attack people, <laughs> which is ridiculous. It's um, not unheard of, though, for alligators to eat people during hurricanes. That's not unheard of, but the fact that they keep going back <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. to, like, the same place, like, that was, like, a little ridiculous mm-hmm. but like this movie is ridiculous and it knows it so that's why it's fun mm-hmm. um but i will say like she she gets hurt a lot and they both get bit a lot and i remember watching it when once the water is pretty high they can both mm-hmm. kind of swim in it there was one point where i was watching it and i was like not only is she opening her eyes in this dirty ass <laughs> water but how much infections are they gonna get Oh, so many infections. Because it seems like sewage water at some yeah. point. And yeah. The dad, I think, gets bit. He gets bit by the time they're out of the, the like, crawl space at least, I think, twice. And she gets bit twice when she's out mm-hmm. of the crawl space. And the way they just, she decides to get out of the crawl space is to go through the, the um, drain pipe, which is where the, the father thinks that alligators are coming from. And by mm-hmm. this point, like, it is so flooded that, like, you you can't like 
you know, the trucks are completely, you know, out of nowhere. Um, you know, there's water everywhere. And I hated that scene where she's crawling in the pipe and it's like so claustrophobic and you're afraid like an alligator might mm-hmm. uh, pop up. That was a good, that was a good idea. Really up to the ante. Mm-hmm. But you know, she's an apex predator, so she can do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I really liked that I felt like was different from the rest of the movies we've talked about so far <laughs> is, you, I was saying before how you always have one character who wants to stay in place and the other character who's like, we have to get out of here. Yeah. And they talk about how the reason there is conflict between Haley and um, Dave, is that, yeah, Dave. I think that's the father father is because they've they're too similar to each other so in this case even though them being similar has caused friction in the rest of their lives like in this case they're like we're getting out of here like we are killing these alligators yeah and when she leaves she has to leave the dad so he can't really move he kind of because he got bit I think like on like by his leg so he really Mm -hmm. can't move like he really crawls or like slowly swims or whatever so when she when she leaves he's still in that like basement area and mm-hmm. I remember she like um the dog is still in the house so he's like scratching at where the guy is and she like breaks open the um wood and then he's like not breathing and I was like you've got to be kidding me like there's no way he's dying well, like come on and then she like she doesn't even do CPR <laughs> she just like <laughs> bangs on his chest and yeah alive and ready to go fight <laughs> yeah round two which is like now the top of the house and getting to the rooftop yeah and at first they have a boat but then the boat has like a radio and i was like cool 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 and then literally when does this happen um is it either at the boat or it's when he's upstairs the gator like completely breaks his arm and like <laughs> takes it off and he's yeah. still He's still going. <laughs> yeah, that's right before he's trying to get up the steps. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. So they're still kind of there. Um, I was like, oh, I'm like, of course. Of course. Not only does he almost drown, he's been by his leg, but the gator takes his arm too. Yeah, honestly, everyone in this movie should have died from blood loss. But oh, agreed. But that's not going to happen here because, you know, they're just too strong, too good of athletes to uh to die that way yeah I completely forgot before she goes into the tunnel before they escape the basement area um she has a gun and she shoots the gator and the gator completely swallow like bites her arm but she can still move her finger so she's shooting the alligator (laughs) as the gator is like chomping on her arm and I was like and she just she swims you know through the pipe after that such a badass scene I love that scene (laughs) And that scene was wild. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I really love about this movie, especially in the scene where she's in the kitchen, is they have a lot of fake outs where you always think there's going to be an alligator and then there's not an alligator. Yeah. And stuff like that would get me every time. And same with at the very beginning of the movie. Did you jump when the tree came through the window? Yeah, that's happened yeah. to my house, though, during a hurricane. Oh, gosh. Oh, I was so scared. Obviously. But yeah, I was like, I, maybe not. I don't think I freaked out there because I was just like hurricane, like mm-hmm. awareness up. Clearly they don't have hurricane windows. <laughs> like, Ooh. let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually they make it to the roof and a helicopter sees them and saves them. 
I will say, even though this was this was a really short movie, mm-hmm. for me, I thought it was going to end after they get out of the crawl space because, like, the movie's called mm-hmm. Crawl. So when yeah. they were still in the house, I was like slightly confused, and I just thought they were going to die. I was like, okay, like, how mm-hmm. are they going to get rescued now? Because I didn't have a boat, but I did enjoy the Gators just like going at it. I enjoyed that a lot. Mm-hmm. How the Gators just went up to the stairs. Oh wait, the, one of the gators went through the window of her bedroom. Oh yeah, yeah, they were they weren't stopping those gators. <laughs> they were not. They also have a very thinly veiled like plot. You know, like her and the father aren't close. Her parents are divorced. They have her mom's a, in France. Yeah, which honestly, lucky her with her new yeah. with her new husband or whatever and they have this like heart to heart when both of them are like in the crawl space in different areas like waiting for the gator to leave and i was mm-hmm. like i was like this is hilarious mm-hmm. like this very serious heart to heart about how like she's like i think you know i was the reason that you and mom broke up and he was like no that's not the reason and literally like they're both bleeding they both need to figure out how to get out of there. And they're like, let's have this very serious discussion about our feelings about each other right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was it was kind of thin, but it's like not the worst no. side plot you ever seen. Yeah, it was resolved pretty quickly because you have yeah. to bond when you're fighting gators. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You bond quickly. And I do like with the crawl space, just the way it's set up, how like they make it very clear, like, okay, we have steps tunnel ceiling door there's two gators and there's like a safe space where like the gators can't get behind this area so um it's just very i like how clear it is it feels like we've set the rules to this basement area even though there's no rules in regards to um how much damage your body can sustain (laughs) from these gators without dying Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like, we're going to do some rules, but we're going to follow some and ignore others. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be equal that way. Yeah. It was just like such a it's a good blend of serious and this is just insane. And the final question, could you have survived this, Claire? No, I don't think I would see those gators and I think I would just die instantaneously i wouldn't be able to get past those gators i'm just not as good a swimmer as Haley. i'm no so. apex predator i agree i don't mm. think i could have I, <laughs> I don't think i could have gone through that drain pipe i would have freaked out i think what i would have tried doing is there was all the like the little holes in the the bricks yeah i feel like my method would be i would stay behind that area and try like breaking through the wall or see if i could like pull bricks out that's what I was thinking. That's what I thought they would do at some point, too. And yeah. they do not do that. Yeah. But overall, like, if you're in the mood for, like, a quick, fun watch where people are, like, fighting and trying to survive gators during a Florida hurricane, this is the movie for you. This is the one. This is maybe the best alligator movie I've seen. There's Lake Placid, but I think I think this is better. I think this is better than Lake Placid. I didn't even know there was another one. Well... Yeah. <laughs> those are final thoughts thank you for listening uh like subscribe and uh catch us next time yeah bye, bye.